Hey guys, thanks for joining us on the Access Podcast. We're here to equip and mobilize young Christians in identity and evangelism. Enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Access Podcast. Today, myself, this is Pastor Jake, he's going to be talking to Nick Mayo. I think last time we introduced you as NR Mayo. So. Yeah, there we go. NR Mayo. And we're going to be talking about comparison and really how comparison can really hurt us as followers of Jesus and how we've dealt with comparison, even comparing mm-hmm. ourselves to one another at times, mm-hmm. comparing ourselves to other people. And so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I hope it blesses everyone who listens to it. Mm-hmm. And so, Nick, I'll ask you first, um, how common have you, you've been in ministry for 10 years, mm-hmm. nine years, mm-hmm. how common is comparison among specifically young Christians mm-hmm. that, I don't know, in your experience? I think it's it's prevalent in the the sense that we all struggle with it in some sort of way or another. We're all going to have to be guarding from uh, comparison creeping in in one way or another. And I think, I don't know that there's anybody who's going to be watching this who's going to be caught off guard by that. Uh, I think we, we tend to be quite uh, aware of the comparisons in, in many ways that we're making because they're some of our biggest pain points and frustrations, uh, whether it's uh, we're, or they're one of our biggest highlights because <laughs> we're, we're comparing ourselves in this way of I'm better than somebody else, and we'll talk about that. But um, I just I go into to conversation after conversation with our generation, and, and it's just it's permeated its way, whether it's in social media and engaging off of lifestyles in, in that way, whether it's um, looking at the impact uh, that we have in the kingdom and looking at what other people are doing compared to what I'm doing. And there's just so many different areas that the enemy tries to creep in with this this aspect of comparison that uh, I think it permeates more of our life than what we realize. And we need to guard our hearts more from it than we realize. So, Yeah, I think the enemy, his, one of his greatest tools is to, is to convince us that we're not good enough. Is one of is to make us doubt ourselves and mm-hmm. to make us to strive to uh, make something of ourselves and to be significant. Yeah. And I mean, in our journey of of really being found by Christ and being <clears throat> loved by Christ is realizing that we're significant, like in Christ. Yes. That not we're not significant in of our human flesh, but, but God Christ, has labeled us significant, as significant. Yeah. And I, I just don't think it's it's coincidence that the enemy would use. Our, even our closest friends mm-hmm. to make us doubt God's love for us because we're not behaving or we're not, you know, you know, one of the things that in, before we started recording, we were talking about just worship and how mm-hmm. like sometimes like people will be in worship and instead of like worshiping, we'll like measure ourselves in our expression of worship oh, totally. by people in the room. We have that one eye open, right? We're kind of like peering around like, uh, or, <laughs> and we're like, I'm worshiping more than that person. So I must mm-hmm. be you know, more spiritual than them, or mm-hmm. I'm not worshiping as passionately as that person. And so, man, I need some, what's wrong with me? And mm-hmm. it just permeates even our, our Christian culture that it's just not a surprise to me that the enemy would, would do something like that, that he would mm-hmm. use other people to hurt our faith and to hurt mm-hmm. our, our confidence in who God, who God's made us to be. Yeah. And I think it is, it's very common and it's, it hits, I know it's hit me mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know it's, it still hits me, and yeah. I constantly have to, you know, work at guarding my heart in prayer of of reminding myself that that God has made me to be me. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. Some of my biggest breakthrough moments with the Lord have been in those those deep pain points. Not only just pain points, but like 
breakdowns of my life because of this this whole comparison game where he met me there and, and just called me out of the game altogether. Like it just challenged me in the way. So for for me years ago, I'll just jump into a story that, that is kind of a big prevalent point in my life. Years ago, we had a, a prophetic presbytery come through Access and uh, a man named Alan Smith had had called me out in the, the crowd and said, you are a pastor. God says you are a pastor, you are a revivalist, and you are going to impact this generation in ways that you can't even understand. And I'm receiving the word at the time, and I go, oh my word, this is amazing. Uh, back then, Pastor Kurt Ains was, was the pastor of, of Access. And I'm looking at people like Kurt Ains and Pastor Matt Schmucker and Pastor Tom Smith, all these pastors that are in my life, and I was receiving the word unintentionally going into a comparison, but but almost receiving the word through the lens of what I thought it was supposed to look like based off of what other people were doing. And so I, I start uh, teaching at Access, preaching at Access, start doing all these different things that I think is supposed to be the thing uh, until Emily and I were driving home from Flint. Her parents live out there and I had to pull over to the side of the road and have her get in, drive us the rest of the way because I thought my my heart was going to come out of my chest. And the next day I went into the the doctor's office and they did stress tests and all these different aspects. Praise the Lord, my heart was okay, but my stress and anxiety was through the roof. Uh, and they're like, yeah, you have actually like medium to, to almost severe depression going on and you have high, high anxiety levels going on and it is it is affecting you. And I just remember going out into the parking lot of the, the doctor's office and like weeping in the car going, what in the world? I'm doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing as, as this like calling that God has put on my life. And the Lord started speaking to me in that moment and started challenging me. Like you, you made all these decisions not based off of who I was calling you to be or what I was calling you to do, but based off of comparing yourself to all the other things and building this idea. And that was just one area, but that was an impactful area for me. And that was the moment that I started looking at my life, kind of looking at the different areas that I fall into comparison and started recognizing, oh wait, anytime I start comparing myself with somebody else, I'm refusing to take a stance on who God calls me to be. And I'm starting to actually build a false picture out. Does that make sense? Yeah. And in and I just think that's a, a rhythm that so many of us fall into. I don't know if you have any Yeah, I, what I hear from your story, and I relate to it, is I am what I do, mm-hmm. and then I am, uh, I am, I only can be who I'm called to be when I'm in the position that I think I should be in. Totally. That's when I'll be content. You or know, my or value is weighed against others as well. Yeah, right? when other people see my significance, then I'm, I, you know, I'll be who God's called me to be, realizing that that's that's a human flaw that we all have is that we're, we're trying to gain significance. Mm -hmm. And I also hear, yeah, I hear you saying I am what I, I'll be a pastor when I'm doing the work of a pastor, not realizing that, you know, for you and we know as a shepherd, that's a shepherd. Mm -hmm. It's a shepherd of people's hearts. You don't Mm -hmm. need to be a pastor licensed working at a church to be a a shepherd. Yeah. There are are thousands and if not tens of thousands of pastors who have no title pastor, but are shepherds of people and they care about people and their souls and their, in their growth towards Christ. And yeah, I just, I, 
Yeah, you were talking about like measuring yourself based on other people and 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 comparing yourself, even the word of the Lord. It's like God gave you a prophetic word, but mm-hmm. because of our broken nature, and if we're not careful, well, the, the good things that God's doing in us, if we filter them through the lens of comparison, they'll be the things that actually destroys us. Because yeah. God's calling you out as a pastor, as a shepherd of people, but because of your lens of comparison, it actually it hurt hurt you more than it helped you in that mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. I start yeah. mis misunderstanding the word of the Lord through. Even at that time, it wasn't an intentional comparison, right? Yeah. I think that there are times where we're intentionally looking at others and, and kind of gauging ourselves. Where do I fall in the pecking order of society? Or, you know, where do I fall within the, the influence of Christian society or all these different aspects? There are times where it could be intentional. I think some of the trickiest is when <clears throat> it's not intentional. It's just something that we hmm. almost naturally step into because we, we were quick to move. And the thing with that word, the thing I love about this story, even as I, I reflect on my own journey, is the Lord was speaking identity into me. Like you were saying, I, before I ever had the title of pastor, I was pastor in the way that God was speaking that into me. And he wasn't saying, you are going to become a pastor. You are going to do, go and do the things that pastors do. He was saying, Nick, you are a pastor. And he was actually revealing something to me of the very nature that he made me to be but I misunderstood it as an assignment that I needed to go and do. Yeah. And we start to step into this performance mentality versus I think a quick aside, anytime we hear a word from the Lord or anytime somebody delivers a word over us, one of the best things that we could do. In fact, our first step is to bring that thing back to the Lord and go, okay, now what, (laughs) what do you want to say about this? Yeah, discern it. Yeah. Which ultimately, that's what the Lord was calling me to in the car when I was crying out after that that doctor's appointment, realizing, wait a second, me pursuing all these things, me doing and performing in all these ways is actually driving me into the ground, and I can't sustain this. After the fact, it, it looked actually pretty similar to what I was doing before, but the motivator was much different. I wasn't trying to work my way into something yeah. because of comparison. I was living out the identity that God had instilled in me. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I think we should we should all just assume that we um, are going to naturally compare ourselves to other people. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, we don't try to avoid never comparing ourselves. And we'll get to kind of like, like what do we do when that comparison comes? It's really more is guarding your heart against it mm-hmm. and training ourselves against it. I, for me, you know, growing up, growing up, like I... Uh, I had insecurities. I compared myself to so many different people. That was just like, it was just such a part of my life. So then I, when I became, I got into ministry and then I got into pastoring and we were working together. There's so many times that like I would compare myself to you and then you would preach and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that was just so amazing. I need to, you know, preach like that. You know what I mean? Or I need to teach like that. Or we'd be in a ministry moment together and you'd give her this word and I'm like, man, am I ever going to be able to deliver a word like that? You know what I mean? It's like just crazy how you're doing the work of the ministry with one of your closest friends. And all the while, you're insecure. The devil's just like in your mind, like you're not as good as him. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I never like, I was never angry at you or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just the comparison game. I was angry at you. You were angry at me. (laughs) So many times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But seriously. (laughs) But seriously. Wasn't, yeah, it wasn't supposed to be like a, a funny, but it, no, seriously, yeah, when you get yeah. into comparison, it, yeah. it's an easy thing that can happen. You get frustrated with people. Yeah. 
and not whatever people you just with situations oh completely and and that and and i would imagine other people feel that way too you have your closest friends and your closest friends are maybe going to college and you're not in college and you're comparing yourself they have their life together they are in a relationship they're getting married and you're comparing yourself and your story to other people not realizing that like god has you where you are you Mm -hmm. know god has me where i am Mm -hmm. and it's not my job to become like other people. It's my job to be who I am called to be and to search out Christ and to say, God, like, like, like make me content with where I am and who mm-hmm. I am, like, so that I, my life can mean the most. And if that doesn't measure up to my carnal standards, then so be it. My life right. is not my own. You know, My carnal standards are there to die anyway. Yeah. I need to put these things to, to death. And, and a lot of this includes dying to ourself as we are dying to the aspect of comparison. We're dying to the false self that we have built through all mm. the comparison we've done in the past, right? Like where we are today. You hit on often, that, hit on that. You said the false self. Let's, yeah. let's sit, let's sit there. Cause that's where well, I think some comparison draws, draws, that's how it, comparison draws us into the game. Mm-hmm. It's cause we have a false expectation of what we're supposed to be. Oh, I mean, this is, goes all the way back to the original fall. Right, the original sin in in Satan coming in, challenging Adam and Eve in the very area that they were just affirmed in. God had just created them in His image and likeness, and now Satan's coming in and starting to challenge them. You know, oh, you're not really like God. Is essentially what he was saying. God knows you'll be like Him if you eat this fruit, and and He's just doing these small things to twist and skew and break that image down. And it's still the same today that this false self that Satan's trying to build up, that society's trying to build up, that the flesh is trying to build up of who we think we need to be um, is typically built through years of comparison, right? As we're growing up through life, we're starting to observe and make sense of reality with our young minds. We're looking at who is successful, who, are our who is beautiful, who is, you know, popular, who are the heroes. We start building up these these idols, is what Scripture calls them, of pictures of who it is I'm supposed to be. And then now we go through life and we're gauging where I am based off of all these different people that we think fit that model, right? So when I was in the same spot, and still in, am in many ways, but I approach it differently now, yeah. uh, which we'll talk about later. But when I watch you preach... When I'd watch you, especially like when you started like hitting your stride and finding your voice, uh, everybody knows it's powerful, super powerful. And I would just sit there watching you and go, "Oh, I don't, I don't preach like that. I don't break my my messages down in that structure." And I'm just in awe of of just the way that you're able to break message. I can't speak for under an hour. It's very difficult for me. And you're like, you're like, here's, you know, 17 different hard hitting points in 10 minutes. And I'm like, whoa, that's, I need to be like that. And it's like, well, do I? Yeah. But it's because I started seeing you fitting into this false self that I had built up. You were just one of the people that started to line up with uh, the idols of my life that I've built. And it's very easy for me to start comparing myself against you. And we do that all over the place within social media. We social It's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. Social media is showing us what the good life is, and we build that up, and then we find anybody that fits that image, and then we compare ourselves to it. Or we try and create the image 
and get other people to compare themselves to us. And that's that comparison game. And yeah. it's Satan's one of his biggest traps that he gets us a in. Huge trap. It's a huge trap. And I want to, let's start getting into solutions. Let's start getting into, you know, like people are in it. They feel in it. Like what are the things that have brought us out of the cycle of comparison? Not that we're out of it mm-hmm. and that we're out of the game. We're still in the game. Completely. What are the things that we've found to be successful mm. um, in helping us see each other, but also to see like just the world differently? Yeah. Going back to that, that testimony that I was sharing in the car, right? The Lord started calling me into a journey of, once again, realizing that the word that he had spoken in it, it goes beyond just this singular word. I'm only using this as, as kind of a platform to talk about what the Lord's been doing in my life and what he wants to do for all of us. He was getting me to realize, wait a second, he's not calling me into performance. He's, he's speaking identity into me. And in one of the best ways, and really actually ultimately the only way to overcome the comparison trap is to root ourselves in the identity of Christ. But even that's a tricky slope, right? Because we have this picture that also needs to be almost demolished, uh, and, and we need to spend time within the scriptures. We need to go into the Word and, and specifically looking at the person of Jesus, uh, seeing who he is across the pages of scripture, across the pages of all of scripture, because he's, he's being revealed across all of it. And being in relationship with him of going, God, I, I need to know more of who you are because you've created me in your image and likeness. And I need to know how you specifically want that to look in my life. Because my life ultimately is going to look different than your life. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of similarities, a lot of overlaps, even because we're close friends. But ultimately, the expression of who Nick is and who Christ is in Nick is different than who Christ is in Jake. In uh, realizing that helps me to start going, oh, I'm looking in the wrong place to find out who I am. Hmm. I need to go to Christ, and I need him to speak this into me. And like I said, going back to that word, he wasn't saying you're going to become and do all these things. He was saying you are. He was speaking identity to me. And when I started receiving and walking through a journey of receiving that identity, it started positioning me in a way to where any of the other tools that we're going to talk about of overcoming this started making much more sense. And when, when, when I understood the identity. Understood that. Because if I start applying all the other tools, honor and, and, and contentment, all these different aspects, apart from understanding where my identity is, all we're going to do is pendulum shift over to a different idea of comparison. Yeah, we're, even in comparison, comparison actually reveals something about like me that is a good thing, mm. is that comparison is the question, who am I and how do I measure up? Yes. And so it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that you had to had that anxiety attack because it revealed something, your idol. And yeah. the Lord is saying, I want to destroy that, right? Yeah. And so the fact that we even do compare is, that, is revealing that we are asking good questions and that we actually do want to know who we are. Yeah. And it's just it for like the solution that I would offer is you have to learn how to discern the voice of God and who He's called you to be. Mm-hmm. And for me, the way that I found that early on in my you know relationship with Christ, and as I continue now in it, is that like knowing what the what God says about us in Scripture. So you said we need to find out who God is. I'd say echo that hundred mm-hmm. percent. Then we need maybe the step that I really helped me was finding out who God says I am. Mm-hmm. 
I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm a son of God. If you're mm-hmm. a girl, you can be a daughter. Yeah. And like all of these things, I, girl, you I have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I just like, I dove into these scriptures and I was just like, God, this is who I am. Apart from anything I ever do, I could work for, I could work, you know, cleaning up garbage. I could work at McDonald's. I could be a doctor. I could be a businessman. I could be an accountant. It doesn't matter what I do, who I am will never change. Mm-hmm. And then as you do that, like those those eternal truths of who God is, God's made his children to be, then you start getting to this like, okay, now it's like, before you get into like, God, who am I and my unique personality, before we get into that uniqueness, I feel like we need to get to the, the core truth that's universal for all Christians. Mm-hmm. Because once you get that core truth, then now sure. you have the security to handle the uniqueness. Because yeah. if you're just looking for your unique identity, you know what I mean? Totally. And I'm not saying that against yeah. your story. I'm just saying in general, then it's going to be like, well, this is me. you know. Absolutely. And it's like, well, that's not you. Yeah. Like you are, yeah, you're called to be a shepherd and that's a gifting and a calling on your life. But before we're any of those things, we're children yeah. and we're loved and we're yeah. ambassadors and we're, you know, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. And these are the things that like, once you start rooting yourself in that, who God like, the comparison, it still comes, it still comes, but now you have the confidence in who God calls us to be, and then now you can war against those voices of comparison mm-hmm. with the truth of who God says we are. Yeah, and you bring up a, a great distinction, and I'm glad you bring it up, is, and I did jump the gun to go to the individual <laughs> aspect. We have, we can't take time to go into it because it's a big topic, but we have in our current age, an age of expressive individualism, where what I feel is who I am and all these different aspects. And and we can sometimes jump into searching out our identity through the cultural lens of, of expressive individualism. Like, who do you say I yeah. am? Even Enneagrams and all those yeah, personality totally. tests. Which are all like, fantastic, but yeah. they're fantastic within the, the proper context. And I think there's a... Uh, a hierarchy um, or, or levels that we grow in within this sense to where <clears throat> first, before we ever look at who does God call me to be, I do need to look at who is God. Because if I'm created in his image and likeness, in, in like to understand my identity apart from his heart is to, to miss something and I can really get skewed here. So almost the hierarchy that we would, that I would at least present is, Searching out to see who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinitarian Godhead, revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, In that, who does God call his people to be? Because before I'm ever an individual, I am found within the body of Christ, Hmm. which will play, I think, heavily into some of the other areas that we'll say are big breakthrough points. And then from there, I have giftings and, and you know, spiritual talents that God has placed into me individually, as well as a specific story that's found within the context of the story of God's people, found in the context of the story of God. And it's like this cascading hierarchy that that we need to start off here, move here, understand that I'm only individual within the context of community. Hmm. Uh, because if I go straight to individual, well, then all I'm doing is giving myself more leverage to start comparing myself to others. And that's that turns into superiority complex. Oh, completely. But if I understand yeah. that I'm within the, the context of a whole, and that context is in the economy of God, meaning there's no lack, 
like ultimately when when I realize, wait a second, you have gifting that I do not, I also need to realize that's a beautiful thing because we're both moving towards the same goal. We're so both serving the same Lord. We're so both moving uh, within the same community. And I no longer feel lack at looking at your giftings. I could actually start to recognize my own unique giftings and how they benefit you and how yours mm. benefit me. But it's only because we found that within the context of community. God. Yeah. And now I'm I'm on the same team as you. I don't have to be in competition with you. And that that plays out in a much larger expanse. Even within the human race, God created us all to be image bearers and he's calling us all in. So instead of competing with each other, what if we started leveraging who God made us for the benefit and sake of others, which is actually what the gospel calls us yeah, to do. Yeah. Anyway, a lot there, but I think if people want to search some of that yeah, out. I think what you're, you know, I think you're touching on the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And let's, if you would, can we jump to Romans 12? Yeah. And really just yeah. touch on... Yeah, this really, I would call practical uh, admonition from from Paul and Romans, and we'll start with um, start with verse ten. But then I'd like to rewind and, and read a few verses, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. So, the, in verse ten in chapter twelve of Romans, it says, "Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves." Mm-hmm. And so, the NLT actually says, "Outdo one another in showing honor." It's like this, not a competition, but you know, it's like, it's like, do your best to be the most honorable and honoring person Mm -hmm. in the room. Mm -hmm. And it's not a competition as we want to be better, but it's, I love the, 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 it's kind of a playful imagery. It's like, yeah, it's a playful competition. I'm going to honor you. It's like Dwight and uh, Andy in the (laughs) office when they're, when they're being, they're uh, doing each other favors and and open the door for each other. Anyway, one up in each other. Yes. One up. But anyway, I want to read, um, read this. It's about the body of Christ. Romans 12 verse three says for the, by the grace given me. I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but mm-hmm. rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Very interesting. Just as mm-hmm. each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member uh, belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Yes. If your gift is prophecy... Then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate Mm -hmm. what is evil. Cling to what is good. Here's this verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Mm -hmm. So I, I read that and I go, oh my gosh, this is, this is a, in a summary of everything we're talking about is that we're, we are all one team in comparison is trying to make you an individual to make you compete against other people. God has never called us to compete. He's called us to honor. And so when I see you winning, the thing that I've learned is that when I start to celebrate what God's doing in you, I start to grow in appreciation for that. Mm -hmm. And then the more I celebrate you, not out of performance, but I celebrate you out of love and honor. And then it's easier to see what God's doing in your life. But mm-hmm. if I'm always comparing myself to you, I'm going to look through a, a cynical lens of everything you're doing because mm-hmm. I'm going to try to make myself prop myself up or I'm going to beat myself up based on what you're doing. 
And so even if you do feel like you're less than in your flesh and in your emotions, like the practical thing is like honor those people. Honor your friend who you think is more spiritual than you. Mm-hmm. Honor them and celebrate them. Honor that person in your life that you feel is farther ahead of you. Like when somebody gets engaged or married and you're single, it's like honor them. Yeah. Celebrate what God's doing if you want to be married. It's like if you want something in your life to grow, then honor the people that are that are already there. Yeah. Don't feel like well, I'm in lack because they're, they've got it. I mean, the kingdom is an unlimited resource kingdom. Yes. There's no lack. So when somebody gets the promotion, I don't you know, bite my finger and say, well, God, why don't I ever get the promotion? Right. It's like, no, I honor what God is doing in the lives of, specifically well, in this context, in the, in the Christian community that I'm involved in, but then you can apply it even to the culture at large, is I'm just honoring everyone, and I'm mm-hmm. honoring what God's doing. And when you do that, comparison doesn't have a, there's no, there's no landing strip. Him. Because you're just constantly just looking for what God's doing in and through other people, and you're celebrating it. Yeah, it's the same recognition. I'm still recognizing there's something in you that that I might not carry, but the the outflow of it is is completely different. It's no longer coveting that gift or talent or thing that you have or any yeah. of that kind of stuff. It's actually uh, celebrating, recognizing, and going. Actually, I am benefited by your. Going back to the teaching aspect, I'm benefited by your preaching. I no longer need to have that kind of preaching style. I can actually honor like you're talking about and recognize. And then in so doing, I'm receiving from you versus criticizing and then cutting off the flow of actually being able to receive. Yeah. Right? When when somebody's doing something amazing and, and those people are just criticizing. And it's like, you just want to say, stop and, and just look, you're missing it. You're missing yeah. it. God's doing something right in front of you that you're missing because you're partnering with the enemy to be in a critical spirit uh, versus partnering with the Lord to celebrate. And then the Lord actually unleashes it in you, even if you don't end up with the gifting at the end of the day. You're still uh, blessed by it. Yeah, completely. And that's that's if your gift is to serve then serve. If it's to lead, then lead. If it's to absolutely. teach, then teach. If it's to prophesy, then prophesy. If it, I mean... We treat, we treat the kingdom as if it's some sort of corporate ladder that we're trying to climb Yeah. in the dog-eat-dog world. And it's like, if they get it, then I don't have access to it. And there's only a limited m- number of seats. And it's like, no, the kingdom is so much greater than that. Like you said, it is an unlimited resource kingdom. The economy of the kingdom is overflowing. And, and even though we might have lack mentality, we might have scarcity mentality based off of things that are going on in our natural life. The things of the kingdom are actually permeating and overflowing, and the floodgates of heaven are open up, pouring out a blessing that that we cannot contain, and if we would just recognize that. But to tap into that unlimited resource, you have to honor. Completely. You, you can't tap into it without honoring. You can't criticize while also receiving the, the blessing. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Honor is the key of of opening up the the storehouse so to speak because it's an expression of faith honor is an expression yeah. of faith in god yeah cuz i see what god is doing in you and i have faith that it's really like the testimony of jesus the spirit of prophecy if he mm-hmm. can do it in you and then lord if you want to do it in me you could do it in me too if you yeah. want to um it's it's honor is that expression of the goodness it's a faith in the goodness of god in others and in our in in potentially in our own life mhm yeah. And, and it's a, yeah, this, the honors, the recognition and, and, and it's like, I am confident in who I am mm-hmm. as a son of God or as a yeah. daughter of God or as, you know, as loved by God. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, in my confidence, going to see who God has made you to be. And I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to champion you. 
mm-hmm. and celebrate. Like you shepherd, dude, like you shepherd, like no one I've ever seen. You just are literally, I know we, in church, we have pastors and everyone's a pastor in the Christian church in America, but like the shepherding, like, dude, you shepherd and you have such a heart of the heart of God for people. And I just honor that. And I glean from it. I've been, I'm, I'm a better shepherd because I know you. I may not have the the gift of shepherding that you have, but I'm a better shepherd because I hang out with you. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's just the beauty of, of, yeah, honor mm-hmm. is that is that, and especially in friendship, when you honor in friendship, is that you you just can go so much farther together mm-hmm. than you can when you're even if you're doing it together, but you're competing. It, you're so much better off in mm-hmm. in honor, in love, and in confidence who God's made you to be. I'm tempted to outdo you in love right now. Yeah, you see, they said that. <laughs> I'm outdoing you and in showing honor. I'm kidding. Yeah, no, it's it's so good. But you start to, much in the same way that you're you're modeling right now, you start to link arms uh, again with the the body of Christ. We are one body with many members, um, and and you know what elsewhere Paul's talking about the the body and he's he's literally using bodily language he, he's talking about like what good is it for an ear to try and be an eye or yeah. or a, a foot to try and be a, a hand like we are out of our lane Bobby Bogard would say out of our lane in these types of of instances um and and being out of our lane we're not effective as who God created us to be so that comparison that i need to be them i need to be like them i need to be doing the things that they're doing is actually we're missing out years ago uh i'm just now remembering years ago there was uh, a message that i did at access called what is your song i remember that in in powerful message uh we start trying to sing somebody else's song hmm. whereas god gave us a song to carry that the world is missing out on if I'm trying to sing your song. They'd miss out on the, the song of Nick. They would miss out on the song of Jake if you were trying to do Nick's song. Uh, hopefully this link, we're not all called to be singers. I especially. Yeah, yeah. But I, I sing to my son and he cringes and it's <laughs> terrible. I'm trying to lull him to sleep and I just wake him up. Um, but you know what I mean? The the song that we carry in our bones. Yeah, I remember that an analogy you gave was a, like a, an orchestra mm-hmm. and they have a tuning fork. And that tuning fork tunes everyone else. And as long like, and that's the Holy Spirit, right? Or yeah. that's the gospel, the that's kingdom. Right. And then everyone else plays their instrument to the tune of that yeah. song. It's and A.W. Tozer. Yeah. Uh, you can quote me if you want. A.W. Tozer, Nick Mayo, <laughs> Michael Scott. Uh, <laughs> but no, if we try and tune against each other, yeah. you imagine an orchestra. This is the quote. You imagine an orchestra coming together and trying to tune all of their instruments to each other that orchestra would get further out of tune than they were probably in the first place. But if you if you have that one source where they're all looking to, the tuning fork that is consistent, and the Holy Spirit is the one who's consistent, and we tune against that, then now we're all playing our own part within the grand scheme of the orchestra. And, and if you listen to orchestra music, if you listen to classical music, it is absolutely glorious. Hmm when all the parts are playing the part that they were supposed to play. If you start hearing the violin start to play the percussion, it's going to get really ugly really quick. Yeah. be very interesting, very avant-garde, but uh, that's not what the kingdom's about. Hmm. The kingdom's about us learning the song, but understanding the song that we're carrying is part of a larger song, and that's where we find ourselves within that body, who, again, to bring it up the hierarchy again, the head is Jesus Christ. The body only makes sense when the head is Christ. Exactly. Uh, so that's where that that levels of 
learning who Christ is, learning who we are as a community, learning who I am within that community makes so, so much sense of just crucifying the nature of, of comparison. Yeah, and I think maybe to conclude, make this the last part of this conversation is we, we ought to get to a point where we put trust in God that who he's made us to be is enough. Mm-hmm. And that our role in the kingdom, whatever that may be, whatever role that is, yeah. is is eternally significant, even if our culture hasn't deemed it significant. You know, the parable of the talents in, in Matthew 25 talks about one guy who's getting five bags of gold, one guy three bags of gold, and one guy one bag of gold. And so the story, the parable goes, the guy with five multiplies it and gets five more. The guy with three multiplies it, gets three more. The guy with one buries it. Mm-hmm. and doesn't use it. And then he tries to complain, you know, you're a harsh man, wanted to reap where you did not sow, and so I buried it. And and there's maybe some different applications, but one of the applications that I'll draw today is that even if, like, by the world standards you feel, or maybe you feel I'm a one-talent guy, you know, the, the, the master in that story didn't, didn't reprimand him because he gave him one talent. He said, mm-hmm. you didn't multiply what I gave you. Yeah. And so the teaching of our kingdom is like, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like I'm. We are all insignificant in some sense, and we all have different gift sets. And it's not a matter of measuring whether you're a five, five bags of gold, or three bags of mm-hmm. gold, or one bag of gold guy. It's like, yeah. what can I do with what God's given me? Yeah. And and if you'll ta- if we'll take that mindset, literally, the sky is the limit, yeah. unlimited. And maybe not by the world standards. You might not be in a magazine. You might not get interviewed. But in heaven. Just much like the gal that gave that one penny and there was guys, bags of gold dropping them. And we'd all be like, oh my gosh, those guys are so generous. But Jesus mm-hmm. looked at that one gal and said, she gave her one penny. Yeah. She gave her all. The she gave her translation all. Says it. Yeah. And, and, and taking that mindset of like, listen, I, you do not need to be significant in the eyes of the world. Mm-hmm. What has God given you? Utilize that, leverage that, uh, develop that in a way before the Lord. Yeah. That that will have an eternal impact. So when you when we stand before God, He'll say, "Well done, yeah. well done, good and faithful servant." Oh, completely. One talent from the Lord is is far more valuable than a hundred talents from the world. Hmm. And, and we could try and steward that all day long, but if we steward the one talent from the Lord, the the increase that comes from that place in the amount of eternal impact that comes from that place. If we actually seen it, we would we would fall to our knees and mm. just cry and weep uh, to see how beautiful it is the life that God has given us that that He didn't give to somebody else, but we are all part of the the larger story. But He gave me something to steward, and and that's greater than anything the world could ever offer me. He gave me uh, my life completely, completely, and that that there's so much beauty to that to be stewarded, and and when we when we stop criticizing what God didn't give us and we start celebrating what God did give us, Philippians 4, Paul's talking about how he's learned to be content in little and in much. And I think Paul's carrying a a deep secret here uh, of the secret of contentment, right? If I could be content in who God made me to be, down to the silliest thing. I used to criticize people with a good hairline because I just didn't have that. <laughs> and then I started realizing, who am I to criticize who God made me to be? And and I'm the only one with the Nick Mayo hairline, the NR Mayo <laughs> hairline. And it's like, oh, I could be content in that now to where even if the world wanted to criticize me for it, 
you have nothing on me, nothing mm. on me in that sense, because I know what the Lord has given me, and it's far greater than than whatever the world picture of beauty is. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a, a great thing for us to remember. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this episode helpful or impactful at all, go ahead and like and subscribe to our channel and go ahead and share it to someone who you think it can impact as well. See you next week.